Welcome to Decode Your Burnout, the podcast where we crack the code on burnout based on three primary factors, your programming, environment, and personality. We also feature experts who debunk the myths about what it takes to be successful in their industry and spin those tips to fit the workplace so you can optimize the way you work. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Grossman, a psychologist turned coach, author, and burnout expert. If you're burned out and want to go from exhausted to extraordinary, book a free breakthrough session with me by going to bookachatwithsharon.com. And if you want to see how you're doing and what to focus on next, download the burnout checklist. You'll find the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly forward slash check your burnout. Now let's get started. Hello, Decode Your Burnout fans, and welcome to another episode with me, Dr. Sharon Grossman. And today I am joined by Dr. Jacqueline Kerr. She is in the top 1% of most cited scientists in the world. Now, she burned out from her job as a public health professor, and now she is on a mission to prevent working mom burnout. She also hosts the podcast, Overworking, or sorry, Overcoming Working Mom Burnout. And Jacqueline, I'm super happy to have you here to share your burnout story. So welcome to the show. Thank you. And it's fine to get the name wrong of the podcast. It is about overworking still sometimes. So there you go. So uh, tell us a little bit about your burnout journey. What led you to burnout and how did you end up where you are today? Right. So um, I, I, as you mentioned in the introduction, I was a professor of public health, and that was very much in a research position. So I got research grants um, from the National Institutes of Health and ran research programs and um, managed a team of about um, 40 staff and students. So we were doing a lot of research, bringing in pretty big research dollars, sometimes $10 million grants. So there's a responsibility that comes with that. But then also as a professor, you're also responsible for your teaching, for your service to the university. I was doing work in the community. So I was also trying to do service for my community and help um, with community change, building more supportive environments and age-friendly environments for older adults. So a lot of different roles at work. And then I was the mom of two (laughs) and um, wanting to be the best mom I could possibly be. Um, My son was also diagnosed on the autism spectrum and he was really struggling at school and I was trying to work out how I could support him more. And then we got a puppy. (laughs) We already had an older dog, but we got a puppy and it was literally like the straw that broke the camel's back. I mean, I ran my dog every day, um, my, my older dog, and then suddenly when I got this puppy, the runs became stressful. So I had always done pretty good at um, self-care, you know, coming from a public health background, I was doing a lot of cancer and heart disease prevention for myself because we have a family history of those two diseases. So I I would exercise and really look after my body. Um, But suddenly those morning runs that used to be my way to start the day and then like process all my thoughts in the shower afterwards 
um, just became really stressful. Um, and around the new year, um, I just, in 2018, I had just had enough and I was exhausted. I was crying on the way to work. I was crying on the way home. You know, I felt like a bad mom, a bad wife, a bad friend, a bad colleague, a bad manager. Um, I just was so unhappy with who I was, um, how I was parenting, and it just seemed um, so impossible. So actually, at that time, um, I was suicidal, and I wrote a letter to my kids because I just wanted to apologize to them, but I couldn't help myself, and I couldn't do enough for them. And, um, you know, I, I luckily I told my husband about doing this. And so he kind of set into action and said, okay, let's not go there. Let's get you the support you need. Um, please go see a therapist. Please take a leave of absence from work and do everything you can. Um, and so that was hard, definitely for a couple of months. I couldn't shake that feeling of just um, not wanting to go on. Um, but therapy really helped with that. And then when I went back to work, I had got sort of my body into a place where I could feel again, I suppose, you know, because I'd suppress my feelings so much. And, um, but what, you know, I had been starting to have some panic attacks and really just couldn't control my breathing sometimes. So I had managed to get that under control. But then when I went back to work after three months, like the stress hit me like a truck because I think I had got my body into this better state of calm. And then I went back into the environment that was also so stressful and didn't know how to say no. Didn't, you know, the first day back at work, I had three students come to me and say, oh, can you mentor me around this particular area of science that I was an expert in? And I felt terrible because I knew I had to say no and I didn't know how to say no. And I just felt like this is never going to end. I, I just can't do this thing where I keep getting asked to do more. Um, so then I left that job and didn't really think of it as burnout till later. I'm 50 next year. And my mom was like, oh, it's probably your menopause or something. And I kind of saw it as maybe just having this midlife crisis. But then once I started to read about burnout and understand burnout and understand how the environment and my personality combined just was such a bad mix. Um, I started to understand that really was what it was. So I'm constantly still having to work to not get burned out. I tend to um, slip into that overwork and over responsibility, taking it all on my shoulders quite easily. Wow, that's quite a story. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm sure that was very moving for people listening to this. And I love it because it's so raw and it's so real. And so many people actually have a story like that. And they don't kind of like you didn't understand that what you were going through at the time is burnout. They don't realize it as they're going through it. People think, oh, I'm depressed or, oh, I have, you know, anxiety or whatever the thing is. Um, but it's like all of the things, you know, mm -hmm. and as you were 
reflecting back now, I think you can see how there's so many things that kind of built up and built up and built up until it's like that puppy was the last straw. <laughs> right. I know. Right? I know. Isn't it crazy? Something like that. Yeah. It does just kind of break you. And, and I think that's some of the things I've learned is yes, there's workplace burnout, there's job burnout, but there's also, um, parental burnout and for some people the parental burnout is where you actually go to your job and the job relieves you from your parenting so it's a good thing right but I was finding it in both places and that's where I kind of um, was unraveling and I do feel like motherhood for me just triggered some sort of unraveling for me Um, Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of women experience something in in motherhood that that does have that kind of sense of questioning everything. And, and um, I feel like I wasn't prepared for that. And so more, the more that mums can realize it, it can be really triggering in some ways. And for me, I just was so uncomfortable with how I was parenting. And I was just parenting in a very sort of automatic way that had been modeled to me, but it didn't sit well with me. And I didn't know it. I, I just, you know, I just didn't like myself one bit but I couldn't quite work out what it was. So um, definitely getting help from a coach and and therapy helped me be able to see things differently. So that helped. So this is super interesting, right? Because I mean, yeah, there's so many things that you're saying here that are um, relevant to burnout, but we'll start with the environmental factors, right? So there's so much going on. And if we look at nothing else, we see how you are taking on so much responsibility, both in your job and then, and and the job's even like multi-tiered. There's, you know, the professorship stuff, and then there's the grant writing and the staff and the students, like there's just all these people, they're all on your shoulders, right? And then on top of that, you're going out into the community. And then on top of that, you've got all the stuff going on at home with the two kids, one of which has special needs. And then you've got the two dogs, one of which is a puppy. I mean, it's like the perfect storm, right? So we've got all of that. And then of course, there's the personality stuff, which um, the way I typically break it down is three burnout profiles and you fit the profile of a feeler. So this is somebody who leads with their heart, right? And they're wanting to please everybody. They can't, as you say, you can't say no. So you're taking on a lot of stuff onto you on top of what you already have, right? So now everybody's coming to you with their requests and can you help me with this? And can you show me how to do that? And, you know, everybody wants a piece of you and it feels like you have to say yes, or in your case, if I can't say yes anymore, then I just have to leave. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't know yeah. how to say no. Right. So just right. like, let's remove myself from the situation. And I don't have to deal with it. You know, that's sometimes right. easier <laughs> when we don't know how to say no. And I'm sure through all the therapy and the coaching that you've done since, like you've probably worked on that. Can you share a little bit yeah, about where you're at I- with regards to that? Yeah, I, and and, you know, one of the other, I I don't know kind of what your other profiles are, but what I learned a lot about being a perfectionist. Now, to me, I was never a perfectionist, right? Because I never did anything perfectly. So I was like, I'm not a perfectionist. My goodness, no. Um, And I would always say to my team, we've got to get this done. 
done is better than perfect, right? That's what I wanted us to always be moving forward. But then when I started to read about perfectionism and probably uh, mostly from Brené Brown, when she described it as never feeling enough, I went, oh, that's me. That's totally me. So that to me did not, like, that wasn't in my my understanding of like what perfectionism was. Um, but that feeling of never being enough was was really hard. Um, so in terms of the saying no and the boundaries, I really, really still struggle with that. Mm. Um, I've, I've listened to a lot of audiobooks around boundaries and, um, you know, I've had coaches sort of say to me, um, you were setting a boundary there. And instead I'm saying, I'm being a bitch, you know, <laughs> and they're saying, actually, you're setting a boundary. And so it's so uncomfortable still for me that I can't even sort of see when I'm doing it in a way um, to help myself. I see it as that I'm doing something wrong when I try and set a boundary. Um, so, yeah, I think there was a lot of um just childhood programming around um, pleasing others and putting other people first. And um, that has been, that, that seems so hard to unlearn. Um, So uh, that's definitely one I still struggle with. Yeah. And uh, thank you for saying that because um, that was actually going to be my next question to you is you have all this programming clearly in place, but my question is, where do you think that came from this idea that you aren't enough and that other people come first and your job is to please others? Where, where did that come from? So I, I, I think it has come from a certain extent from um, the parenting I received. Um, so part of my story was um my father moved abroad a lot for his work as when I was a kid. So I ended up going back to boarding school in the UK. And so I think just that boarding school experience, um, especially I was 10 years old when I went and, you know, my therapist described that being an adolescent going into an environment like that, where basically you follow the rules. Um, There's not a lot of love in, in that sort of place. And I think one of the things I feel really I missed out on was learning coping skills. I I wish somebody had taught me coping skills. And that's one of the things I try and really focus on with my kids is, yeah, you're always, there's going to be adversity. It's going to be things that you don't like and stuff's going to go wrong, but, but how do you deal with your mindset towards it? How do you then help others, how they treat you? So I, I try and think about those things. And actually, I'm such a a huge part of my process. And you see all the books behind there. And I've listened to so many audible books. I've just gone on so many walks, listening to audiobooks, trying to understand things. And the one I listened to most recently was um, Adult Child of Emotionally Immature Parents. And so that really, I ticked so many of those boxes. My, My mom really struggles to express her emotions. If she tries to say what she wants, she starts to cry and then she shuts down completely. Mm. So she was never able to express her emotions. And then um, my dad gets angry um, quite easily. And um, 
even one of the things that in that book, it was sort of saying, you don't take responsibility for your emotions. You would blame it on the fact that he was a Gemini <laughs> and that he had these two personalities and that we all just had to put up with it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, things like them saying, okay, you know, they would never look into what they might be doing or ever apologize or ever take accountability for these things. So I just think I had these two, like my mom just not able to express her emotions and my dad, uh, you know, being sort of angry, the two of them just made me suppress mine and, and suppressing my emotions just to like stay out of either upsetting my mom or annoying my dad. Um, was kind of how I try and try and understand it now, right? Because um, that made sense to me when I started to listen to it in this in this book and sort of recognize that when you're not allowed to um, show up as yourself, um, you know. And I think lots of times people have sibling rivalry, and I don't necessarily have that with my brother, but there was always this thing that my brother was naturally intelligent and therefore um, everything he did was was great and the only reason I succeeded was because I worked really hard so it was almost like any achievement I had was always um, put down to that and it was so helpful for me when I read Carol Dweck's book Mindset because she was basically saying talented people are only successful because they work hard and I was like yay that's me thank you that's for giving right. credit for the hard work yeah so they had a very fixed mindset so learning to let go of that fixed mindset um those things have been really helpful to me to to reflect back and I think what's great about that book about the adult um immature adults because I worry about that like I describe myself um, you know, when I was going through my burnout and, and working then, I think I was like quite emotionally immature because I didn't let myself feel things. Um, and like you say, you say I'm a feeler. And so I think I should leave with my emotions and I should have let myself. But when you're suppressing that huge part of yourself because you're so uncomfortable with it, I think that's probably what has, has really made me struggle in many ways. And so um, learning how to express those emotions um because again one parenting book I read basically was saying that let your kids express their emotions because from there they learn to recognize what they need and I was like oh oh my god that's why I don't know what I need that's why I have no idea what I want anymore is because I've suppressed them so um and, and, and again, that book, sorry, I was saying the book about the emotional immature parents, right, is what is it about their parenting that might have led them to that place? So you're trying to understand a little bit, you know, they probably had parents that didn't give them space to be themselves. Certainly. Um, and, and so, yeah, it, it helps you just try and recognize that. Um, but for me, it's been helpful to try and understand their influence on me, but also my influence on my kids. I I just so want to do the right thing by them. Yeah, I keep hearing that how uh, you are not just like, hey, I'm a mom, I've checked the box, but I want to be the best mom. That's kind of how you said it. So, you know, maybe that is that perfectionism of like, I have to be the best. And no matter how much I do, it's still never good enough. And so you get to that point where you just don't want to exist anymore. And that's really the danger, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So 
thank you again for sharing your story. And I know you're in a better place now. You're no longer in that job. You're no longer burned out. So you're helping other people now with this stuff. Tell us a little bit, um, if somebody's listening to this and they really resonate because they are that people pleaser and they have trouble with boundaries, or maybe um, they don't know what they, their needs are and things like that. Um, what are your tips for somebody who's currently burned out and, and have those very similar factors that contributed to theirs? Yeah, I think there's um, definitely two things that you can look at. So one is what can you own yourself? And and that I definitely, uh, as I say, I, I own that I, I didn't necessarily have the skills and the emotional intelligence to handle things. So coaching has really, really helped me with that. Um, I'm not a coach myself, but I so admire coaches. I feel like they give you perspective and permission and permission to let go a lot of those unreasonable expectations. But they also give you the perspective to say, you know, never being enough is such a terrible mindset because you can never help you. You can never prove that you're good enough with that. When will you know you've done enough? So those types of um, questions and perspective, I, I find that very helpful. And a lot of people say, you know, um, I think therapy can get you to functioning and then coaching can get you to thriving. Cause I, I definitely feel like once I started coaching, I got so many more um, tools and practices that I could use. Um, so I do a lot of um, writing. Writing helps me just in so many ways um, express what I'm feeling, work through thoughts, but also then even thought models that coaches give you to really break it down and start to see, okay, what are the different angles that this could be? And I think that helps me in relationships too, because um, I immediately trying to say, okay, what other perspectives could be here that I haven't thought about? Mm -hmm. Um, But I think a big one for me, especially with working moms is that it's not all your fault. You really are not to blame. There's so many expectations on you from society that are totally unreasonable. There's no support in the US for childcare, for parental leave. These are things that make it so much more difficult. Um, One of the people I interviewed on my podcast also had looked at parental burnout and said, when a society is very individualistic, it's so much harder for people to ask for help when that is the culture. And that is the culture here in the US. You know, you do it all on your own and you don't ask for help. And that is not helpful for mums. And then to me in the workplace, we are working so hard and we're not receiving the pay or the promotions that that work deserves, that the system at work is not equitable. There is a maternal wall. As soon as you're a mom, you're, you, you become a mom. Um, even in, for example, in academia, they've done studies to show that as soon as you become a mom, your publications drop off, right? And it doesn't happen for the men. And the same with the pay. It's almost like fathers are the best well-paid person in a company. Then you have the men, then you have the women and the mums at the bottom of the pile. Mm. Um, so it's really like we have this structural disadvantage And so for me, solving that is about putting in totally different systems. At the moment, you know, if hiring is based on um, an unstructured interview with a single manager with their biases, we all have them, men and women have these biases. 
then, you know, mothers are not going to be um, appreciated in that mix. But if you actually have teams, diverse teams who decide the hiring and the promotion process and that you have structures and criteria, and those criteria include how do you as a manager look after the well-being of your team? They were showing that during COVID, so many mothers who are managers have been really working on the well-being of their teams and helping their teams with their mental health. But they're not evaluated for that. Yeah, totally. And and we have those skills, right? We forged those skills in childbearing, right? In childbearing. I was was going to say, it sounds like you in the workplace, how you were going above and beyond to take care of all these things and maybe not necessarily getting... Uh, credit for all the things that you are doing. So, so now, um, if people want to get in touch with you, is the best place to send them to your podcast, or do you have something else that you want to share? Yeah, the 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 best place is my podcast. So, overcoming working mom burnout, and I interview um, burnout experts like yourself, and um, leadership and life coaches, and I interview. Um, HR and DEI experts as well. So a real mix of people that can can help you either with your mindset or the environment managerial type perspective of of, um, how to work differently and how to set up systems at work that are more human and more equitable. Um, And I have my own website, drjacquelinecurr.com. So I have um, blogs and some resources on there as well. Fantastic. So I encourage everybody to go check out the show. And I know we're scheduled to record, I think in March. So uh, yeah, no, I'm excited to speak (laughs) with you more. Yeah, so we'll be there. I've got your book. Yep, I've got your book right here. Here we go. Fantastic. This is my Christmas reading. Very nice. (laughs) So thank you again for being on the show and sharing your story and your tips. And I look forward to being on your show and sharing some of my tips as well. Uh, In the meantime, thank you everybody for tuning in and we'll see you again next week.